Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. In this episode, we talk to an agency owner in a very niche specific market who's dialed in a process for generating high quality leads using a multi-channel approach. In fact, One of these channels is one that's rarely talked about, but it's highly effective. I know you'll enjoy this episode. I'll see you on the other side. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. James Harper is the founder of Agency Flare, a results-driven outbound sales agency that has a narrow focus on B2B sales, cold prospecting, and setting qualified appointments for their clients. Their goal is to allow you to have more meaningful conversations with your most ideal prospects. James, it's a pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready for it. Thanks, Morgan. I'm excited to have this conversation this morning. Awesome. How does your agency get results? Yeah, we use a multi-channel approach, Morgan, which we can dive into a little bit more. But really how we get results, I believe at the end of the day, isn't about what channels we use, or what time we send emails. It's actually about understanding one industry, one target market, understanding a really big pain point we sell in the facilities management realm with high-end commercial cleaners, disinfection companies, commercial HVAC companies, things of that, people of that nature. And it's understanding a pain point, understanding that we have clients that have a solution, and then making very personalized and genuine messaging that hits those prospects, that's actually meaningful messaging to them. Gotcha. And what would you say makes Agency Flare different than other agencies? You know, I think there's a lot of great agencies out there. I also think the agency world's a little bit of the wild, wild west. At Agency Flare, I think what we're a little bit different is we run our our agency off of three R's, responsiveness, relationships, and results. That might sound generic in a way, Morgan, but I really do believe at the end of the day, a great agency is going to have a good relationship with you. They're going to be accountable to those results. And then you have to be responsive when campaigns don't work because I don't care what what agency you are, how great of a salesperson you are, uh, we're not always going to bat 100%. And is your pricing productized or custom? Yeah, it's not. It's productized. So we just have a two-package deal. I think making, I think anyone listening... 
you're in sales at any level, especially if you're in the agency world, simplifying your pricing is key. So we work on a retainer model. And who is your ideal customer? Ideal customer is probably a commercial cleaning company that makes anywhere between 500000 to $2 million a year in revenue. And they are on the brink of considering hiring a second, maybe a third salesperson, but they're not sure if they want to invest into the salary and the commission incentives. So they're looking for a better way to, and a cheaper way to outsource their top of the funnel lead generation. Awesome. All right. Great. Getting into this case study we have for today. So industry, commercial cleaning, you dive a little bit into the problem they solve and kind of what they, what they sell, how they package it. Yeah, it's a non-sexy industry. We're talking commercial cleaning. And what's happened the last few years is, well, really the last year due to COVID, commercial cleaning became really important. Mm. All of a sudden, the industry really skyrocketed. Uh, Five years ago, if you're a dental office, you're probably hiring the cheapest person you can find on Craigslist to clean your office. And that's just the truth. And they did a sufficient job. You would hire Chuck in a truck, as they called it, in the (laughs) industry. But now to keep businesses open, to keep customers and clients safe uh, in the facility world, to keep your employees safe. You have to have a legitimate commercial cleaning company and actually have a line itemed budget for commercial cleaning. And commercial cleaning is a crazy world. If if you don't know the language in the sales world, you're not going to get sales. So we had to commit to the facilities services niche and learn everything about it to really be able to speak this language. But I would say the biggest thing about this industry for anyone listening is it went from it always being essential, but then all of a sudden the public eye viewed it as 100% essential post-COVID. Nice. And so keeping businesses open, keeping customers and clients safe, making sure businesses can operate. So you mentioned dentists, any other big customers, customer groups that you go after? Yeah, I'm going to give you a few that might not hit your radar when you're thinking about who needs cleaning because it never hit ours when we first started this. And I like to say we've been selling in commercial cleaning before this was like a cool industry. We were mm-hmm. doing this way. I We actually cut our teeth initially in the crime scene cleanup industry. Oh, wow. Which is, yeah, which is really crazy. Yeah, we can talk about that a little later. But uh, yeah, long story short, some of the other kind of company groups that really utilize the commercial cleaning services are churches actually now post COVID this used to be a volunteer thing, but now churches want to stay open mm-hmm. and this has become a big political thing. So they've been hiring commercial cleaning companies, daycare centers. That's always been uh, a big one. I yeah. mean, think about how many germs go through a daycare center and then just your typical office space that might like a, a commercial property manager might have an office building that has 12 different businesses running out of it, but mm-hmm. 24 units. And so just your your typical office building in any big metro area. I wouldn't have guessed churches, but that definitely makes sense. Who are you prospecting? Let's dive into like you're building this campaign. Who are you targeting for these? Yeah, multiple people, but essentially the three big kind of job titles, if you were, if you will, that we're going after are facility directors, property managers, and then building operators. Every now and then you you might find someone in the admin department, like an office manager that makes the decision on the cleaning. Sometimes it's the owner, but we're really going for companies that have some sort of, I should say, scaled organization set up to where there's one decision maker involved. 
Mm-hmm. And typically that's a facilities manager or director or a property manager. Gotcha. So when you're approaching this, how do you find those people? How do you build that list? We're set up in a unique way. We really don't, maybe this is good. Maybe this is bad. I don't know. I'll let our clients decide. Um, and I, I juggle going back and forth, but we do a lot of stuff manually. And I do believe heavy on technology, of course, and really do an automation, but we have a full-time market researcher on staff. And I really think that's what makes our data important. When we're prospecting people, we're only reaching out to like 200, maybe 300 people at a time. A lot of agencies really go like high scale, like let's go after a few thousand people, kind of the shotgun approach method. And that can work depending on the industry you're in and depending on the on the scale of numbers you're hitting. In our industry, again, you really have to be a sales expert and speak a facility director's language, which is very like instructional and rudimentary language. And there's not a ton of facility directors out there. Even like, I mean, take take Los Angeles, for instance. There might be, might be 400 facility directors in LA. And that's a really? huge market. Yeah. I mean, so if you're prospecting in like a, a St. Louis, right, you might have 80 facility directors. So you have to be very specific. And the intention with your messaging when approaching these people has to be spot on. And you have to know what you're talking about or they're going to instantly hang up the phone, ignore the email, just move on. Gotcha. You're taking this narrow approach to find this, to reach this smaller group of prospects. And are you, are you, can you find them on Sales Navigator? Where do they live? Yeah, uh, good question. Yeah, good question. I probably should have answered the, the prior question on what our market researcher right. does. <laughs> Yeah. So we do find them on Sales Navigator. I think Sales Navigator is a great tool for anyone out there listening. We also, honestly speaking, our market researcher goes to like uh, these office building websites. And this is going to sound crazy, but a ton of these uh, websites actually list their facility director's email publicly on there because Mm. if there's a facilities problem... You <laughs> you need to get, contact the facilities person, right? So yeah. a lot of their information, as simple as it might sound, is just open source data on their website, which we get, I don't know, we probably get 50% of that. And then we cross check it with Sales Navigator. I really wish, I really wish, Morgan, data.com never went away. That was a great website that got bought up by Salesforce, but mm-hmm. we relied heavy on data.com for years. So yeah, it's a lot of cross-checking between uh, Zoom Info and and SalesNav and then just doing some manual research and going to the actual prospect's website. Gotcha. So use, use, a, use a few different tools, also scraping websites and building that data, building that list and cross-referencing yep. it. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So uh, at a high level, what does a campaign look like? I know you mentioned phone a minute ago, email. What does that look like at each touch point? Yeah. uh, Our strategy and sequence is set the exact same for every single client. Now, Now, the frequency might change depending on the client's want to be more aggressive versus not, but we use cold email. We use LinkedIn outreach. We just call that our LinkedIn lead generation. And then we we do pick up the phone and we cold call. And we have a call mm-hmm. team of three people. And we're, they're tiny but mighty, as we say. But mm-hmm. yeah, we, so our sequence starts with a, a cold email. I think a cold email is always a good icebreaker. And then we actually follow that cold email up with a LinkedIn connection request. That's our, our sequence right there. 
once we send out that cold email, of course, it's just an icebreaker, low response rate typically, um, just truthfully speaking. But the connection request gets connected and we send a little like, you know, you have your little blurb intro message in that connection request. That actually gets a huge response rate for us. And we reference the email we sent them. So throughout our journey, and I think this is important for any salesperson to note, you should always be cross-referencing your outreach uh, to your prospect. So it doesn't look totally unfamiliar. So for instance, Morgan, we send you a, your facilities director, we send you an email, and then I might connect with you on LinkedIn and say, Hey, Morgan, I want to drop you a quick LinkedIn request. I actually sent you an email last week to learn more about insert company name. Doesn't make sense to have a quick conversation. Are you interested in learning more about our disinfection services? And I actually try to like be pretty direct in those LinkedIn connection request messages up front, just to because if they accept it, I actually view that as a level of qualification. If we can put some type of qualifying question in there up front and be very direct about it, and they accept your connection request, one of two things happen. They're okay with you being direct with that question, and maybe there's room for potential future conversation, or they just didn't read it and they accepted it, and then you can hit them with a follow-up sequence. So once we send our email and our LinkedIn connection request, we kind of do the hopscotch game, send them a follow-up email. Hey, resurfacing this email, inboxes get busy, blah, blah, blah. And then we hit them with a pretty direct, uh, again, qualifying LinkedIn message that sees a really great response for us. Last but not least, uh, we'll play this game. Uh, then we'll send a third email. We really don't make it to the third LinkedIn message. It just doesn't make sense at that point for us because right then we've either gotten a yes, a no, or maybe in the future, a potential future opportunity. Mm -hmm. But by the time we pick up the phone and cold call, it's really like, I used to call them like follow-up calls. It never felt like a cold call. Mm -hmm. We pick up the phone and um, our callers have a very specific script. And they, again, cross-reference your prior outreach. I think is critical and a big takeaway for anyone listening. They will actually pick up the phone and be like, hey, Morgan, my name's, uh, my name's Daisy. I actually, uh, I believe my boss, James, reached out to you, sent you an email um, with some of our disinfection services. I just wanted to see if you got that information. Obviously, I, my job's just following up. We just tell them that straight up. Uh, we're just very human about it. And last but not least, if you don't want to be on our list, we're happy to take you off. But more than anything, we see that you manage a building of 5,000 square feet or 50,000 square feet, whatever it may be. Do you guys have a disinfection company in case a virus outbreak happens? Boom, just ask a question. And then our call rate, response rate, I should say, is really high when we cross-reference that former outreach from the email or LinkedIn. Gotcha. I'm just curious, before I confirm this, actually, let me do that first. So we got one email, two LinkedIn connection requests where you are referencing that email and having a direct qualifying question and a call to action for a phone call. Three is email bump, resurfacing this, or direct qualifying LinkedIn message, five email, then six phone. Yep, that's right? correct. And it might, it might, the five and six might flip flop depending on just the client's wants and needs and depending on like the pulse of the campaign. Sometimes you have an idea if the phone should go before the email at that last stage. But yeah, for the most part, that's absolutely spot on. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like the, use of the phone here towards the end because it's like I, I feel like the thing that makes cold calls cold is the lack of context right 
They haven't heard from you. They don't know who you are. You have to do this, all this upfront stuff, explaining yourself, the guard up is high. But if you can add, build some familiarity into the call, like, hey, yeah, boss reached out, da, 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 does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, da, da. Now you've taken down that defense wall a little bit and not trying to flim flam anybody or anything like that. It's just about people have those walls up with the, with the sure. phone call. And it's just about communicating. Be, be, yep. being at a place where like, okay, let me, I can have a conversation with this person now. So absolutely. I like absolutely. Morgan, let me give you a quick story and a quick example. This just happened to me. I'm not even sure. kidding you 40, 48 hours ago as we're all being sold to all the time, whether, mm-hmm. whether you're in sales or not, I get this call from little rock, Arkansas, and I don't know anyone in little rock, Arkansas, <laughs> so I, yeah. but I, I picked it up. And he said, Hey, is this James? I said, yeah. He said, Hey James, this is Kevin. We actually just connected on LinkedIn. And at that point, instantly my guard goes up, just like you said, but as a sales guy, especially in the cold outreach world, I'm going to listen to this pitch, see if I can learn something. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, Hey, you know, after looking at your profile and he listed a few things that I do, I think there might be some interesting things for us to talk about. I'm just trying to give value to my LinkedIn network. I think there's too often we we connect with people and we actually never develop a relationship with them. I'm sure this guy wants something. And this is where his pitch fell short. He didn't tell me what he wanted early on, right? He was right. a little bit, a de- little bit deceptive. I felt like it was kind of Amway-ish if you, if you know what Amway sure. is. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but it was a good pitch though. And then he said, Hey, uh, but he got scared of the ask. I could mm. tell. And he was like, Hey, why don't I just, I could tell you're busy. I don't know why he thought that, but he assumed I was busy. I can tell you're busy. Why don't I just send you an email? And he still hasn't sent me the email, but I was like, dang, you know what? This guy actually started off strong. It fell a little bit short, but he cross-referenced him sending me a pretty subtle, but nice LinkedIn message, like literally 24 hours before my walls went up, but he, he referenced that outreach. I gave him 30 seconds. Right. He didn't finish the job, but it was a, it was a good start. So you're absolutely right on, on that, Morgan. Putting, putting your walls up is just human nature in, in the cold outreach world. What was he selling? I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. Yeah, that's why I said it fell short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't stick the dismount. That's all right. Yeah, yeah all right. exactly. Uh, just picking the phone up is the battle in itself. So Yeah, absolutely. No uh, doubt. How far apart are these, these uh, touches? Yeah, great question. Again, that can kind of vary. Um, sometimes you just have a pulse on how that campaign's going. And if you need to up the frequency, mm-hmm. typically on average, Morgan, where our sequence is four to six touch points within four weeks. So it's, it's pretty aggressive. Gotcha. So typically a week apart, but then um, that phone might happen on a Tuesday. And then that follow-up email might happen on Thursday. Gotcha. Four to six within two weeks, you said, right? No, four to six within four weeks. Oh, within four weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. With those leads who don't respond, do you do anything with them? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a huge area of, that needs to be uh, spoken about more in the outreach world. Just because someone doesn't pick up your phone call or respond to an email does not make them a dead lead. Now, okay, there needs to be a metric that you put in place at some point. You're like, okay, I've emailed this person 15 times and I'm going to make like the corporate bro Instagram page if I keep emailing this person because they're just going to report me for harassment. (laughs) But honestly speaking, I think you need to take all your prior leads, give it 60, 90 days that didn't respond 
and do almost like it's like any marketing company they remarket to people that visited the website or that are on their email list resell to the lead that just didn't pick up maybe it was bad timing there's so many sales opportunities that are missed in the cold outreach world just because it's not great timing right. and they say and they say money's in the follow up why does the follow up work because the timing all of a sudden makes sense for the prospect so I love, like, actually, Morgan, we have a full-time caller. All he does is call what our other two callers did that didn't get a hold of a decision maker or got a voicemail. He just recycles them. And you would be amazed at the leads that come out of him just calling people that have originally we've gotten voicemails for because he, mm-hmm. calls, he calls at a different time. He calls in the afternoon versus the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing what happens just by recycling those leads. Now you have to have a little bit of time in between, but, and again, cross-reference your prior outreach. If you reached out to them in August and it's now December, mention, hey, Morgan, I reached out to you in August, no response, maybe it was bad timing. Wanted to talk about your upcoming year, year annual plans. Who knows, that sounded really generic, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. It's like we, a lot of times I think an outreach will build these, we have a, a few weeks of a sprint of outreach and it's like, well, you know, if someone doesn't buy in that, just because we're reaching out during that window doesn't mean somebody's ready to buy during that window, right? Yep. They, may know, they may have just bought something and timing may not be right or they may be buying something, you know, they know they need to get something next quarter or whatever, a couple months down the road. So uh, I like that idea of giving some time off, but trying again, especially if they're opening and clicking on your stuff, right? Sure. Prospecting yeah. should be continuous. Absolutely. As far as the results that this generates, can you go, can you go into like the, and actually real quick before we get into that, how do you handle responses and, and get people onto a call? It really varies. And this is something we're always trying to figure out as an agency because we're really selling on behalf of our client, right? Mm-hmm. So and we have multiple clients. So every, every day our account managers and what we call our outbound specialists are selling on behalf of multiple clients. With a handful of clients, they just like to take any type of cold engagement. They just hire us to just kind of break the ice, get any type of cold engagement, take that lead and shoot it over to their inside sales team and they run with it. So, and for us, those are great clients. Yeah. (laughs) But typically for the mom and pop shop that uh, wants us to be kind of the full cycle of the top of the funnel sales agency that actually solidifies, confirms and sets that first appointment. We do, since we work in the same industry week in and week out, we have templated responses and we have what we call our response tree to where we utilize our client, a secondary client email. And if we get an email response from a prospect with an objection, or maybe this is a typical one, Morgan, that will say, okay, this sounds great. Send me a quote. Well, there's no way we can send you a quote without looking at your building and learning without at least having a conversation. But really, we need to like look at the building. So we have like a typical response for that, that we personalize plug and play. And we just actually, our account managers manually shoot that off through a client secondary email. So we kind of have our, our ongoing living documents of typical responses and Maybe once a month, we get a new objection or a new question that we haven't had, but we craft a response, get it approved by the client, add that to our archive, and then we're ready for when that comes up again. Gotcha. Gotcha. You ever get in these kind of longer back and forths with people over email? Are you trying to just, if someone's responding on email, do you follow up over the phone? 
you have like a CRM you're using to track all that? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful question. Yeah. We do have a CRM that we're using, which is a uh, no CRM. Really proud of those guys. We're, we're partners with them and uh, no CRM has just done a really great job at making their CRM organized for cold outreach. And I think it's wonderful. And we, uh, give our clients access to our CRM, but honestly speaking, 90% of our clients don't care. We set up a new CRM account for every single client and a new no CRM account. They don't care about using our CRM. When we finally set the appointment or get a, a very engaged hot lead, we then send it to them and we have like a, a document, we send it to them in, and then they manually put that into their CRM because it's not like they're getting 20 leads per day as much as I would love to say that, that's just not the case. So we use no CRM to stay organized with our cold outreach. Every now and then our account managers will say, hey, you know what, we're kind of going back and forth with, on LinkedIn or email with this prospects. Let's have, let's go ahead and have Monique on our call team who calls for this client, just follow up and see if she can't pull them across the finish line. Or at some point too, you got to pass it off to the client and say, listen, we believe we're in the ninth inning here of closing your first meeting. I need you to take this across the finish line just because they're they're hitting us with too much correspondence that is one outside of scope, the scope of our work, and two, outside of our tribal knowledge. Like this at this point isn't it goes beyond just commercial uh, facilities management industry knowledge. And they're talking company specific knowledge that we just aren't privy to. And so we're like, hey, let help us take the ball across the finish line and Clients get it. Uh, we deal with sales teams and we deal with business development reps. So they're like, oh yeah, that's right there. I can, I can, I'll take this all day. Awesome. So you're having, so you're, you're reviewing that stuff with your team. Like what's going on with this company? Da, da, da. You have daily sure. standups for that? We don't have daily standups for that. And the reason being is because we did in the early days, we did like a daily standup. But once you hit a certain scale of clients, it's just like too much to go through. We do have what we call a Monday morning map meeting. And whether you're a sales manager listening, whether you run an agency or you're just an entrepreneur, I believe in these. Business mentor of mine like five years ago um, taught me these. He said, hey, minimize the internal meetings with your team. Do one big ass meeting every Monday morning with your team and just go through the nuts and bolts. And then that way it eliminates future conversations, meetings, problems, things that come up throughout the week. I've done this for the last five years with, this is my second agency. I actually sold my first agency a year and a half ago. And I did it with my first agency and I've done it now. And it just makes us more effective. But how we stay on the same page with our communication, internally, we use Slack. Um, and then we have dedicated account managers to those accounts. So over time, they just naturally learn those accounts and they develop relationships with our clients. And there's almost more correspondence with, between our client and our account managers on those conversations than we have internally as a team. Got you. I love it. I love it. To finish off here, the metrics or the results you're getting from this, from these campaigns you run, like what is that at open rate? If you track that response rate, meeting book rate, that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. And again, this can really tip uh, vary for us uh, depending on market, market size, all of that good stuff. Um, but we do have like a typical average. Our typical average open email rate is about 27 to 30%, which we're happy with. We always try to get above 25%, but we've been running at 27 to 30% here 
as of late. And I think that really comes down to just personalization and us having such specific industry knowledge. If you're reaching out to a prospect and you're not speaking their language, they are going to know it right away. And trust mm-hmm. me, other people sell to facility directors. It's not just like we're the only ones playing in this industry. It's actually a pretty competitive industry. The problem is other people just have not dedicated the time to become in like experts and acquiring the knowledge. We go to like facility management trade shows. Like, I mean, it's it, that's the type of level that we've had to get to to get the response. Our call pickup rate, this is interesting. I just actually learned this. I wouldn't have known this if it wasn't for one of my account managers telling me this just a few weeks ago. Our account, our call pickup rate throughout 2020. So I'm going to give you a 2020 stat, might be a little bit outdated, plus or minus a few percentages here now in the Q1. But we have a 17% pickup rate. And people might be like, oh, that's so low. It's like, well, that's also real. There's a lot of people not yeah. working in offices right now. Sure. There's a lot of voicemails we're getting. We So to supplement that, Morgan, this isn't a statistic, but it might be something interesting for you or your listeners is we've implemented ringless voicemail, if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Can you explain um, that for people listening? Yeah, I love ringless voicemail. Um, I don't endorse a company, so find your own uh, ringless voicemail company. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we got our, we just picked one of the top dogs. And what we do is... Uh, uh, ringless voicemail, you pre-record a message and then you go ahead and upload your call list and then you shoot it to that call list and it identifies the really great softwares identify what ringless or what number is connected to like an outlook, an email, right? A lot of office numbers, if you're working in, especially in a corporate setting, you get hit with a voicemail, it goes to your email, right? So you're actually probably not listening to right. it on that like dusty phone on your desk. You're actually listening to it on your mobile phone from your Outlook. And that's what really this voicemail is. So it allows you to leave like voicemails at scale. Mm. And man, I I was in the sales forum on Reddit. People are like, we're getting like an 8% callback. And I was like, oh, BS. So we try every campaign we try for our clients. We try on our, our company first because we have a continuous sales. Our, we're continuously prospecting for ourselves. And we did a ringless voicemail campaign to 300 people. And I'm not kidding you, Morgan. In that first hour, we got 12 callbacks. It was really? like, it was incredible. I, I couldn't keep up. I, I, and the hard thing is when you're getting those callbacks, you don't know who's calling you because you, they might be calling from a different number. They might, you know, so you have to be like, you could call me, Morgan, and be like, yeah, I just got a call from this number. Who is this? And I'm kind of caught off guard. And I'm like, oh, this is James with Agency Flair. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Who did you say you were? Oh, okay, Morgan Williams. Okay, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. then and I'm searching my CRM. Who's Morgan Williams, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of got to be ready for the uh, the response. But yeah, we got a great call rate or back rate as soon as we sent our first voicemail campaign. And our clients in our industry don't see that high, but do they do see like a 2% callback rate. It's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Totally off topic, I know. No, um, that's good. What, what, uh, what voicemail message do you leave? Yeah, so it'll be something typical that says um, our callers will be like, so the thing is you can't say a name, right? Because you're sending it to 500 people. It'll right. be like, we actually make it sound like we just picked up the phone like before the message, we make it sound real. So our, our caller will like wait like a second, maybe might have like hit the desk or something and be, yeah. like, be like, oh, hey, hey, this is Daisy with 
AWR cleaning here uh, in Colorado. I'm actually calling you because I, my boss, Andrew, you've probably seen his email, just emailed you last week, just giving you a call back. I'm actually following up for him. I uh, would love for you to um, have a conversation with Andrew about uh, your disinfection services or our disinfection services. We're actually located. I love this line too, because we sell locally in markets. We're actually located here just a few miles away from you and uh, would could easily come by for zero pressure, no obligation building walkthrough and at least give you like a, a sanitation roadmap on how to keep your building safe. Something like that. And it's like when, when that hits 500 people, you're bound to get a few callbacks. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've heard about bringless voicemail before, and I always thought it could be valuable. It's interesting to hear you've had that experience. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's super simple, too. I love simple. It's not yeah. like confusing technology. Right. So we've got a uh, 27%, 30% open rate. You've got a call pickup rate of 17%. You gave us the uh, stats you used for ringless voicemail. And do you, is that part of your flow or you just kind of experiment with that here and there? Yeah. You know, honestly speaking, we probably need to put that part of our flow more, but we kind of do it for some of our legacy clients now on a reoccurring mm-hmm. basis, but we really do it with campaigns that are struggling, frankly, that we're seeing a slow response rate. And I'll kind of get into some of the numbers of appointment setting statistics we see. But sometimes we have slow response rates. Like for instance, we sold in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Well, they got hit with a hurricane. We paused our campaigns because power outages for two, three months, and then it was the holidays. But when we started back up, we knew we had to double time. So ringless voicemail, cold calls, we kind of play that by ear and kind of base that off of our call team's feedback. Hey, this is good data. This is this data is being picked up. It's not, but we probably need to make it more part of our sequence. Um, in terms of meeting set, again, that does vary by market, but our goal, and again, these might not be sexy numbers. And I tell people all this, this all the time, these are real numbers and real industry numbers for the facility management realm is our goal is always to try to get you one high, high quality meeting a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's agencies out there that, Hey, do you want 20 to 30 leads a week? Yeah, of course. That's great. Let's talk about the let's talk talk about the type of meeting we're setting for our prospect. We know in the facilities management realm, a typical B two B service being sold is at least anywhere between twenty five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar deal reoccurring on an annual basis. So when you're selling at that level of sale. It's not feasible to get your clients 20 meetings a week and things of that. It's very, it's still very traditional and relational. So if we can get our clients anywhere from four to 10 quality conversations that are potential prospects that are qualified to buy right now, well, that's going to really net them well at the end of the year because all of a sudden we've honed anywhere between 40 to a hundred prospects that in your local market that you can now sell to that could be anywhere between $25,000 to $100,000 deal per prospect a year. So yeah, we, we really try conservatively to go for one meeting a week. Typically, we see anywhere in the ballpark of three to four meetings set per week. And out of those meetings set, I'd say this isn't a, a true statistic, but I'd say 80% of them are qualified. Real quick story. 
working with a huge franchise right now in the commercial cleaning space, national company, one of their markets, we haven't been able to get a ton of traction for. It's just been kind of a slow rollout. They mm-hmm. get they get the long-term sales game, but I can tell you, they've closed a sale every single month and the sales that they're closing are at the $100,000 a year price points. You do that once a month, they don't care how many conversations they have. They care about the quality of the meeting. So bring them two prospects that can do that every single month, they'll be happy. Awesome. So how many, how many prospects, like how big of a list does it take to generate those three to four meetings a week in one high quality meeting? Yeah, I'd say on average about 350 people. Okay. Again, our focus is very narrow, but sometimes those lists, again, when it's like we're talking facility services, those lists are so niche depending on the market, just due to population size we might be talking to like, I mean, we're talking to a list right now that's 86 people. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to get one. We're hoping to get one out of 86. And that's, t- and that's tough, but we will. I do believe we will get one out of these 86. But, you know, you could sell in a uh, New York City or a Chicago like you're mm-hmm. in. Actually, I, I don't have a client in Chicago. So if you know anyone, Morgan, throw them my <laughs> way. But uh, I talked to a gal in Chicago. We ran a prospect, an initial prospect list for her, and we could have easily have reached 500 people, and she probably would have seen a better response rate just because of the population size in Chicago. Yeah. So absolutely. that one bad one bad thing about our agency is we're really geo specific, and right. we are kind of limited due to market size. How far they can travel? To, yeah, to exactly. service. Absolutely, man. And so the the reply rate on your emails. What do you see for that? People actually replying to emails. Oh man, that's a good question. The email reply rate, that's a good one. I've seen it going down lately. Mm. I will say that. I have seen it go down a lot more lately, but I would say probably in the ballpark of 2%. Yeah. But it's I have a, no it's idea about, if that's good or not. Well, it's 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 relative, right? Because it's like, well, the way your market's set up and the way, you know, the the factors for success in your campaign are set up, right? A high quality meeting, like you said, is worth $25,000 or a, a new client to them is worth $25,000 to $150,000 on an annual basis. So yeah, the response rate is 2%, but keeping the main thing, the main thing, if you are finding high quality people who are ready to buy now, that 2% response rate really doesn't matter that much. Yep, you know? exactly. So yeah, totally. I think all that, all those Everything is relative depending on what you are really optimizing for. So yeah, it doesn't have to be that high because of how you set things up. Sure. Great. And how do you experiment, optimize? Can you take me through that? Yeah. How we experiment and optimize is simple. We practice this outreach on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Again, since we're very niche in the industry we sell in and we'd be, we, we're really proud to have become what we consider. I don't like the word expert, but experts in this industry, just high knowledge in this industry. We now sell to similar type people. We're selling to um, former facility directors that have started a commercial HVAC company, right? That's typically how the workflow goes. So anything we want to implement for clients, we try on ourselves first, or we do have a few legacy clients. Like I have a client here in Denver, Andrew Roberts, AWR Services. I'll give him a quick shout out just because he's awesome. He's like, hey, I'll be your guinea pig. Uh, yeah, I will be your guinea pig because he gets it. Hey, if this works, I'm going to benefit from it. And if right. it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. Right. So we do have a few. Uh, we have a guy, another great guy, Dream Clean, and 
and Kansas. I mean, just a few, a few legacy clients that we've gotten the results for and we have such trust with and long-term commitments from that they'll let us kind of be our, our runway of experimentation with new sales campaigns. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are some, what are some creative things you've tried in the past? Creative things that we've tried in the past. Well, we, we've tried the handwritten letter notation uh, that worked well with churches, no one else. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of great things about handwritten letters and uh, we used the company to do that for us. And it, it wasn't great, but it, I mean, it wasn't all for naught. We got something, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't what I wanted. Back in the day, this is before my agency days. I love this. I used to be like a inside sales rep for a, a tech company. And long story short, we would send like Legos to our prospects and would say like, let me help you build like yeah. stuff like that. But that, it's expensive, it's time consuming, but it netted a great response rate, you know? Yeah. And then the other thing I did that completely fell on its face, but I thought it was creative. Maybe it wasn't because it didn't work. We actually sent little planters like of seeds with seeds to where a prospect could like plant the seed, put it on their desk and like, you know, a flower. I don't even remember what it was with plant and like, let, let us help you like seed your growth, you know? Mm-hmm. And we got absolutely zero from it, but I yeah. was convinced <laughs> it was going to work. Sure. I mean, you never know until you try it, right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Agencyflare.com. If anyone's interested in checking out uh, what James is doing over at Agency Flare, I know you guys, uh, in addition to the work that you do, for clients, you also publish a lot of content. So definitely check out uh, the content that James and his team is creating over at agencyflare.com. James, pleasure to have you on. Morgan, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. You have a good one. Yeah, you too. I enjoyed hearing how James is using cold outreach to create meaningful conversations with high quality prospects and turn those into valuable sales meetings for his clients. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.